Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I am Lena Deal. I'm Pastor Adam's wife. We just celebrated our 11 years, our 11-year anniversary. Woohoo! So, anyways, welcome. We're on part three of this series called "What's the Point?" And we've been looking at Saul, who became the first king of Israel. But before he became the king, he had to go on a donkey mission. And if you've missed the last couple of weeks, you're going, what is a donkey mission? Well, there's a great book, Donkey Mission. You can get it outside in the foyer. Um, you can also go to mynewhope.in and click on watch, and you can catch up on the last two weeks. Um, but briefly, a donkey mission is when we find ourselves on this mission that gets us from here to there, from here to our greater mission. But this mission, we're kind of sitting there going, what is the point? This is stupid. God, what's going on? So that's what we've been looking at. And King Saul, his dad sent him on a donkey mission. And if you read the whole story, this seemingly pointless mission is what connected him from his here to his there to become the king of Israel, the first king of Israel. If he hadn't gone on that donkey mission... He wouldn't have run into the prophet who anointed him king of Israel. We don't know what would have happened. God's plan was for Saul to be the first king of Israel. He had a greater mission for him. God's plan for you is something greater than whatever it is you're staring at right now. God's got a plan for each and every one of us. Are we going to accept the donkey mission? The what is the point mission? So that we can get to the greater mission that God has for us? Today we're looking at the things that keep us from the greater mission, excuses. When was the last time that you made an excuse? Take just a second, think about it. So a lot of us have trouble answering that because we're so busy making excuses, it's so second nature to us that we don't realize we're making excuses. So I've kind of got the perfect example of this, sad to say, <laughs> but true. So I get this email one day from my husband, because that's how, that's how we roll. He sends me an email, and the subject is, you going to preach? And I'm like, oh, God, that's so hard. So he says, hey, there's this series we're doing. What's the point? I think you'd be great if you do the second one, which Pastor did last week. And I read it, and I was like, oh, just not, I don't know, honey, I just don't feel this. So he hands me this folder, and it's got all four of them. He says, here, just take a look at it, Lena. See what you might want to do. And I'm like, <sighs> so I flip from the second one to the third one, and I see excuses. And I was like, oh, God, really? And it was like obvious. It was like glaring to me, right? Because I've been making excuses. And so I talked to Adam about it. And I'm like, honey, I think this is the one I'm supposed to do. But, and I, I shared this insecurity that I have. And as soon as I share it, he busts a gut laughing at me. And I'm like, husband, I just shared this insecurity with you and you're laughing at me? What, what is going on? And I said, why are you laughing at me? And he says, because you just made an excuse, Lena. Oh. Yeah, okay, God, I get it. I get it. So anyways, before we get into this, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for pointing out to me Thank you for using my husband to point out to me where I make excuses. God, I lay it before you. God, use me. 
speak through me today and use, use me to speak your words to your people, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So real quick, just to kind of catch us up on the story, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 9. And there is this dude from Benjamin whose name was Kish. And he had a son whose name was Saul. And the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, they'd wandered off. And Kish says to Saul, hey, take one of the servants and go and look for the donkeys. So off they go. And Saul and the servant go to all these places that I can't say the names and can't pronounce it. And they're not finding the donkeys. So they get to this place called Zuf. And we pick up in verse 5. When they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, and let's return, or else my father will stop being concerned about the donkeys, and he'll become anxious about us. Saul's ready to give up on the mission. He's ready to quit. He's ready to run away. He's ready to head home. It's a good thing he had someone with him who was like, Hey, dude, let's not, let's not give up just yet. Verse 6, the servant says, Behold, now there's a man of God in this city, and the man is held in honor. Everything that he says definitely comes true. Let's go there. Perhaps he can tell us about our journey on which we have set out. So here, this servant, like, he's got this random knowledge. They're in this random place called Zoof, right? Like, who knew they were going to be there? They're, they're chasing donkeys, right? So they're in this random town. And the servant has this random knowledge that there's a prophet there. And he knows about this prophet, that the things he says come true. How does the servant know this? Did he like catch it on Twitter or something? Like, I don't know. He didn't know. And Saul responds to the servant's solution. Saul says, but look, if we go, what shall we bring to the man? For the bread is gone from our sacks and there's no gift to bring the man of God. What do we have? Did you get the but in there? Saul made an excuse. Yep, I hear that. The servant had a solution, but Paul had an excuse. He doesn't know it, but he's running away from God's plan. This plan that's taking him to a greater mission, and Saul wants to turn tail and run. So today we're going to talk about three thoughts on excuses. The first one, excuses always begin with but. Saul's buddy offers a solution, and the first thing Saul says is, yeah, but. Now, before we dog on Saul, I just shared with you how I make excuses, right? And we all do it. I should exercise more, but eh, I really don't want to. I should eat healthy, but uh, I really love a Big Mac and fries. It's just easier. I should get up earlier and read my Bible, but God, it's so dark in the morning. I should start a small group next semester. <sighs> That's a lot of work, God. Every excuse in our life begins with but. From housework to paperwork to any work, our excuses begin with but. What is your but keeping you from? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's my but. My excuse, so here's, here's an example for you. Way back in the day, I had this crush on this worship pastor. Yes, Adam, my husband. 
And, but he wasn't my husband at the time, he was the worship pastor. And I'm back there running projector at the time, and I start having these feelings for him, and I'm like, but God, he's a worship pastor, he's a pastor. But God, he's the pastor's son. But God, he's the little brother of the guy I hung out with in youth group. But God, he's younger than me. And I had all these excuses, but these feelings, they didn't go away. And, you know, it took the guy, we won't say how long, to get a clue and ask me out. But (laughs) here I am. We've been married 11 years. What if I let those buts get in my way? What if I let those buts keep me from the man who's who I prayed for since I was in junior high? A man who loves Jesus, who can sing and loves music, and who can cook. Those are the three things I prayed for in a husband. If I let those butts get in my way, if God hadn't cleared them out of the way, I wouldn't have this amazing husband that I have. What's your butt keeping you from? Where have you been making an excuse? And how long are you going to use that excuse to keep you running away from your greater mission? The truth is, if you want to find an excuse, you can. And you will. So three thoughts on excuses. One, excuses always begin with but. Two, excuses come from three places. Pride, fear, and a scarcity mindset. Pride. Let's look at the second part of verse five. Saul says in the second part, come, let's return or else my father will stop being concerned about the donkeys. He'll become anxious about us. So Pastor Adam, he touched on this in week one about Saul's pride. This is beneath me. Why am I looking for donkeys? I shouldn't have to do this. The servant could do this on his own. Why did dad make me do this? Let's just go back. What if my friends see me wandering around looking for donkeys? I mean, pride can look a lot different in different people. Personally, I'm a perfectionist. If you know me, you know this already. I think I have to be perfect. I think I have to look perfect, act perfect. My family has to be perfect. My house has to be perfect. All of this has to be perfect. But the truth is, I'm not perfect. The only one who lived this life perfect was Jesus. And if I think I can, well, I'm full of pride and probably a little bit of stupidity because <laughs> my husband knows I'm not perfect. Where are there places in your life that pride is fueling an excuse and keeping you from something. All right, second one. The three places that excuses come from. The second is fear, or maybe you could call it anxiety. If we look at verse seven, the servant had offered Saul a solution and Saul starts in. But look, if we go, what are we gonna bring the man? The bread we have is gone. We have nothing to give him. What are we gonna do? Anxiety rose up in him. We don't even have food for us. He's anxious even about what he's going to eat. How's he going to give something to the prophet? How often do we do that? Jump to fear mode. Where do I find the time for that? We can't afford that. The house isn't clean. We can't have people over. I don't have anything to wear. What if I mess it up completely? This is me. But God, I'm not qualified. 
God, I don't have a Bible degree. What if I say something totally wrong and screw it up? What if, like the last time I got up here and did this, I forget to put on deodorant? The last time I was so nervous, I forgot to put deodorant on. And by the second service, I was like, oh, get me out of here. God, I don't want to do that again. I remember deodorant this morning. It's all good. (laughs) So what makes us act this way? It's fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. Dude, these, these I know so well. What if I get rejected? What if I'm not enough? I stepped out before and I failed and that was embarrassing, God. I'm scared. I don't want to do that again, God. Good news. Jesus came to set us free from fear. Look at 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Where's perfect love come from? Jesus. Jesus. So if we're in Jesus, we're in his perfect love and we don't have to be fearful. But if we're fearing, it's because it's we're not we're afraid of punishment or rejection or failure. You see, I've dealt with fear most of my life. I didn't know where it came from. I just was always scared of something. Sometimes legit things, sometimes totally ridiculous things. But I, I went through deliverance here at church, and God started to show me where that fear came from. Then I went through a freedom group, And God started rooting out more of it and the insecurity that came with it and the lies that came with it. And now I've led freedom groups and God just keeps working on me. He keeps healing all of those places because he wants me to be free and he wants you to be free. We don't have to live that way. Don't let the enemy lie to you and think you have to stay living that way. And if you need help with it, there's a freedom group waiting list. We're planning the groups for next semester. There's a waiting list. Get on it. Sign up. You don't have to live like that. That's not God's plan for us. Excuses come from three places. Pride, fear, and a scarcity mindset. Saul saw through the eyes of scarcity. Saul said to his servant, we're back in verse 7, but look, if we go, what are we going to bring the man? For the bread is gone, our sacks are empty, there's no gift, what are we going to do? He says, what do we have? All he sees is that we don't have enough, that we don't have anything. The servant saw what could be done, what could happen. Saul saw what couldn't be done and what he didn't have. Do we do this in our own lives? We see the places where we're not enough or don't have enough. Yeah, well, my boss doesn't give me enough flexibility at work. Yeah, well, my husband doesn't lead our family spiritually. Not my husband. Um, My parents don't believe in me. I don't have the right resources. I don't have the right connections. I don't have the right last name. I'm just not enough, God. Sometimes, Sometimes I look at people and I think, why can't we afford what they have? We don't have enough, God. No, that's not the truth. The truth is our priorities are different. If you're teaching your kids to say, we can't afford that, no, rephrase it. Rephrase it. Say, our priorities are different. Our priorities this week are tithing. 
Our priorities are not to be in debt. Our priorities are buying groceries and not using a credit card. Where's your priorities? It's not that we can't afford. It's not that we don't have enough. It's where, where's our priorities? Do you have a scarcity mindset? Are you looking at what you don't have and saying, I can't afford it? Because that's a place of scarcity. Parents, some of us are passing that down to our kids. We're using those words, I can't afford it. No, we choose to live differently. Let's pass down a mindset of abundance. Let's pass down a mindset of faith, not fear in Jesus' name. So, okay, at this point, you're like, all right, Lana, you told me all these excuses. What am I supposed to do about it? I'm so glad you asked, because I have point number three, and that is we overcome excuses with faith. The servant chose to see through the eyes of faith rather than excuses. Let's look at verse eight. The servant answered Saul again, and he said, look, I have in my hand a fourth of a shekel of silver. I'll give it to the man of God, and he will tell us our way. So I had, you know, my wonderful husband do some research for me, help me figure this out. A, a quarter of a shekel of silver, that's hard to say, shekel of silver. Um, a quarter of a shekel of silver was worth about 50 cents. 50 cents. Saul almost missed his destiny over 50 cents. He almost missed his greater mission of being the king of Israel over 50 cents, because he didn't have faith. Your 50 cents of faith is worth a whole lot more than you think. A whole lot more. And you're like, yeah, but Lena, have you seen the headlines? It's overwhelming. You know, the elections and the economy and inflation and gas prices and all this stuff. Yeah, I've seen it. And you know what? The media does a really great job of selling their business. That's their job, is to keep you watching, right? To, that's what they gotta do. They gotta keep you watching so they stay in business. And they, they hype things a little bit. Sometimes, I'm convinced there's more drama when I watch the news than if I were to watch a daytime soap opera. I mean, that's what it is to me. That's, sorry, that's my opinion. But they do it and they suck you in and then your mind is on that and you're focused on that and you're focused on all of this stuff that they're saying, and it's scary. It's scary to watch the news. But instead of focusing on that and what the world wants you to focus on, let's focus on Jesus. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 26.3. I love this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. What are your thoughts fixed on? Are they fixed on the world and all the problems? Or are they fixed on Jesus? You fix your eyes on Jesus and it lifts your faith, it encourages your faith, it builds your faith. You, you fix your eyes on all of this stuff going on around us in the world and it sucks your faith, it drains it. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's fix them on Jesus and he will keep you in perfect peace. We overcome excuses with faith. Saul almost missed his destiny to be king because of excuses. Would you stand with me? I don't fully know what God's greater mission is for my life. I don't. 
Maybe you know that for your life. But four years ago, God stopped me right in my tracks with all my excuses. God, I can't do this. God, I'm just a mom. I'm just an accountant. I don't have any skills for the church. I can't play on the worship team. I can't sing on the worship team. Ministry, that's just Adam's thing. That's not my thing, God. And God got a hold of me four years ago and wrecked me. He wrecked me. He, he started digging all of that out. Because that wasn't him. That was just me and my excuses. I, that day, I grieved over the lost time that I hadn't been about God's greater mission for me. And I said, God, forgive me. I've wasted. I've wasted all this time, God. And for four years, God has step by step been healing the brokenness in me. He's been rooting out the lies and the fear and the insecurity and the perfectionism. Because four years ago, I couldn't have done this. That's all God. It's nothing to do with me. Where are you making excuses? The last time I made an excuse and I let it keep me from something, God later showed me where I totally missed it. And I was like, oh God, I'm so sorry I missed it. I don't want to miss you again out of disobedience and excuses. Are you missing God because of excuses? Where are you making excuses? Where are you running away from what God has for you? What greater mission could you be missing out on because of those excuses? Father, we run to you. We run to you, Father. We're done running away. We're done making excuses. We're done hiding, God. We want to run to you. God, do surgery on us where we need it. God, be our friend where we need it. God, speak truth to us. We want to run to you, Jesus. Run to you, run to you. Stop hiding and run to the Father today.